0: Previously, on the Division Three's Finest Podcast.
1: Taysom Hill, I'm telling you guys right now, will be a great NFL quarterback if he steps in in New Orleans.
2: Next Pib Manning, Taysom Hill. What?
3: No. From what I understand, you've moved on to the uh, personal training game, uh, so like, <laughs> what are the best kind of steroids that I could get?
0: That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh... You took Sprite Cranberry you you over... Took, you
3: took Mr. Pib
2: over Dr. Pepper.
0: I'd rather drink my own piss than crammers. <laughs>
3: <that Yeah>, <laughs> I don't fear the mellow ball at all and then uh like those guys are always look like they're half asleep all the time. I think what Shub is yeah. I try and ask is do you do you not have dragons? R- 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 R-
1: Make oh, nice. sure
3: you have to so, a whole new album I'll go seven, I, I feel seven. I feel like really good. I know. <laughs> I know. This is this is the most energetic I've seen you all day, honestly. So uh, what do you do now? For a yeah, I, I work for Jacob, uh, You're five. professional now, I'm a big uh, professional guy.
0: Episode 79 of the Division 3 Sons podcast coming up next. What's up guys? Episode 79 of the Division 3's finest podcast. How's everyone doing?
3: So good, man. Happy to be here. You know, quarantine's kind of kicking my arse lately, so it's good to see your guys' shining faces and get a few good laughs in. For sure. Yeah, man, I'm doing well. You know, just glad to be back. Another notch on my belt
2: on my, you know, long reoccurring guest notches of Huge. appearances.
3: So yeah, happy to be back. Alright, so let's get into our podcast preview. If this is your first time listening to the show, basically this section, uh, we're just going to do a quick five minute preview of the upcoming episode, to give you guys a sneak peek, talk about some of our favorite moments, and also, uh, so we're just not doing some weird music transition right into the interview. Uh, If you want to skip this section, feel free, you know, we're just here to provide you guys with the best listening experience possible. You know, sorry, sorry that we're taking the time to do that, but if you need to, skip it. Um, but every episode, we do include time codes in the description. Um, they're there for a reason. That's that's from our producer directly. I think he's a little upset people might not be using time codes. Um, so definitely utilize those. Um, there's certain parts of the if there's certain parts of the interview, uh, you know, you're looking for. So I guess I'll also take this time to introduce you know my friend, reoccurring guest of the show, a true legend of his time, Coach Jacob the Bald Schubert. What's up? Glad to be back. We didn't give you your formal introduction, so I just wanted to make sure we, we got that out there. So you didn't, uh, you know, you you gave us a hard time for a couple of weeks for not saying that you are our friend. So I, yes. I want to make sure I want to make sure you're not slighted in any way. I think. Thank fr- you. I really appreciate that.
0: I think friend yeah. and coach are the two keys we have to you know key on. If we miss yes. one of those two, it's you know trouble for us. So I guess that's something yeah. to yes. note moving forward.
2: Friend and coach, you got to have in. You can leave bald out once in a while. I won't care. Uh, but yeah, friend and coach
0: have to be in there. Well, your, your hair's not looking too great, so I think we got to keep the ball. I have a hat on.
2: How can you even tell?
0: I, I saw Snapchat from earlier today. It was not looking so good. <laughs> Whatever. A little behind the scenes there. But I, I guess I'll start with uh, some of my notes from the interview with Drew. First of all, I mean, this sounds so simple, but he was one of the first guests we video chatted with. So usually we do you know just audio, just a phone call. And I think the video chat really made it, a little bit more interactive and you know easier to connect, so I think that's something that we should definitely do moving forward. I think the video chat definitely enhanced the interview, and then um, my last couple of notes. I mean, there's this is one of our best interviews of all time, so definitely tune in. I, I mean, I guess you're f-ing listening to this already. We'll bleep that out, but
2: I'm gonna <laughs> tune in harder.
0: Just get out. excited because this is one of our best interviews of all time, and he's probably one of the most motivated guests we've had on the podcast and probably one of the smartest too you know a really smart dude had a lot of good points on you know how to throw faster that was one of his main you know aspects of why he got drafted because he threw so hard so he has a lot of good points on how he was able to make that improvement and yeah just you know a ton of good stories as well really funny guy too it's not just smart but boring like you know just really good dude overall so yeah that, that was one of my favorite interviews of all time for sure
3: yeah, yeah, uh, also, oh, I'll, I'll go real quick just because I, I don't have really a lot to add to Ben I agree I mean I think the biggest thing that kind of comes across is just his I mean he was just lively I think the video chat helped, helped a lot but I mean he was energetic and he was right. into it And it, I mean it tells I, I, it'll it'll carry in the podcast I'm sure so I mean I'm just excited for people to get to listen to that and then Ben yeah like you said um, just a smart guy and I think his I think it's just based on what we've been doing and what people have been listening to, he's kind of, I mean, unique in the sense that he's not as, as fresh. Um, I mean, not that it was a super terribly long stint, but he did his time like he did his rounds, and, you know, he's out now. So um, just kind of a unique story in that sense. So I thought there was a lot of a lot of different maybe viewpoints. And like you said, really smart guy. So he had a lot of good stuff to say, and uh, I'm pumped for people who get to listen to this one. Yeah, like you guys said, you know, video
2: chat at first probably was a little awkward for us. It'd be the first time <clears throat> video chatting with the guest, but like as we started, we got more comfortable with it, started rolling. So I, I really enjoyed that, and I also really enjoyed you know hearing his story, uh, uh, you know, to Amherst and to the pros. Like you know, he faced some adversity early on, and he you know, he overcame that. And he just continued to work and get better. So I think this is a really good interview for anyone who's uh, who's listening. So hope you guys enjoy.
0: I think he was very calculated as well. Like a lot of, you know, everyone that we've had on the podcast, they've went from D3 to the pros. So obviously they're all hard workers and extremely dedicated to their craft, but he seemed especially calculated with some of the stuff he said about weight, you know, gaining weight, trying to gain a percentage of velocity every day. So it sounded like, you know, while he's a hard worker, he also is very calculated as well. So while his baseball career is over, you know, I'm I'm pretty confident that he's going to find something and he's going to be very good at it just because of you know his mentality and mindset. All
3: right, I think that's all we got for our episode preview. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this interview with former Pirates minor leaguer Drew Fisher.
0: Ben, cue the air horn, please. A few moments later. <laughs> Now join us on the podcast. This is his first appearance on the show. He's a former minor league pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he was also a standout D3 athlete at Amherst College in Massachusetts before being selected in the 2017 MLB draft. One of Division III's finest for sure. Drew Fisher, first question, how's quarantine life going for you? And, you know, when can we get Josh Bell on the podcast?
1: <laughs> Quarantine life's going well I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to get Josh Bell on the podcast But uh, oh,
0: that sucks.
1: Uh, quarantine's been going well It's just a little a little different being removed from everyone But uh, right. settling into kind of routines And just taking care of myself and everything yep.
2: Alright so our first Big time journalism question here uh, The theme of our podcast name Division Three finest comes from us being former Yet obviously very elite Division 3 athletes mm. Trying to play as long as we could uh, Now you're not like most Division 3 guys uh, like Ben said, you were drafted in 2017 and played three years at the pro level, but just real quick, give us a quick intro on in yourself, your baseball background, and what drives your passion for the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I can start just kind of with the baseball. It's, it's probably, going through the history of myself, it probably starts with baseball. Um, just it was something that I loved growing up. I played a lot of different sports. You know, I played um, baseball, golf, hockey, basketball, pretty much everything, but um, kind of around my... My freshman year of high school, I started really taking that seriously, um, just baseball. And I was a, a switch-hitting catcher, actually, in seventh and eighth grade. Didn't really pitch at all. Um, my freshman year, I started closing out games, and I had a pretty wild um, ATV accident, actually, between my freshman sophomore year in high school, um, which I broke my, my left arm, kind of crippling it, so I couldn't really frame pitches as a catcher anymore. Um, so I kind of switched over to, switched over to pitching um started pitching pretty well i just i just didn't really have the velocity it took to play division one baseball um i was a late developer kind of kind of one of those guys that just like six two all skin and skin and bone, 160 pounds south and wet yeah. um, i'm sure you guys know the type the, yeah, definitely. three um but I, I committed to play at amherst after receiving not a ton of division one interest but i I think that maybe where I differed a little bit from a typical D3 player was that when I came to Amherst, it was with the intention of playing professional baseball. Um, I know that's like a ludicrous thing to say, um, just because like, there's so many guys that do get the chance to play Division one baseball, and I wasn't really good enough to be one of them. Um, but I think it was my junior or senior year, I started really taking baseball seriously, and I worked backwards from, um, from the MLB draft my junior year. So i essentially said like i need to throw 95 miles an hour if i'm a d3 player in order to get drafted so how many miles an hour do i have to gain every day over the next four years in order to make it there and it was like 0.008 something miles an hour so like that was just like every day i tried to gain that 0.008 miles an hour and i thought it was going to take me three or four years to get there but i got there my freshman year at amherst i started throwing topping out at 95. Um, struggled a ton with command Um, Which was a huge issue and some injuries and I gained all this weight because I was trying to throw harder So I was just all over the place kind of the head case on the mountain, too so didn't really find my footing until my junior year and then um, things kind of went, things kind of fell together and 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 I I put together a good stretch there at the end of my junior year and was lucky enough to get to get drafted Yeah, cool.
3: Yeah, and so yeah, I don't want to get in we'll get into a lot of that later but uh, we tried some out last week, and it worked out pretty well. So I think we're going to do it again. Uh, before we get into kind of the traditional baseball questions, we're going to start light, you know, loosen things up a little bit, yeah. get to know you a little better with some rapid-fire questions. Um, so <laughs> just, you know, if you have a good story to tell with the question, obviously, you know, go ahead. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, just going to run through this quick list uh, if you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so did you have any crazy baseball superstitions? And if you didn't, what's the weirdest one you've seen from
1: a teammate well when i was a kid i had a ton i i used to never play a game without my lucky sweatband always had it like the Under armor logo facing out on my left arm and it was one of those things like when i knew that i was playing poorly or that our team might lose like i kind of like shifted it so the logo was facing the other way or was on the wrong arm just so i could like you know retain the sanctity of the the under armor band that was a huge one and i also had um it's such so weird. It's so random. Definitely not like a, a thing that typical baseball players do, but I would drink this green tea. Um, it was like this canned green tea drink. I, I can't even remember. It was called like Stees or something, but that was like 7th okay. grade <laughs> Shout out. every single Friends time. Um, that was my thing. And go. I don't know, like, I, I, those were my big ones growing up. I didn't have a ton, actually, in, in college or pro ball, but I was really superstitious when I was a kid about that stuff. There you go. It's That's like awesome. uh, Michael's, Michael's secret stuff or, or whatever. That yes. was your green tea.
3: So what was your favorite thing about Division Three baseball?
1: Um, I really liked, I mean, it's, it's probably, you've probably heard it a bunch of times, but I just really liked the balance that we had um, and the guys, just because, like, there's a ton of interesting people. In terms of people that really want to do um, things in in, uh, in different aspects of the world, but it was just a really good culture that we had, especially at Amherst, where guys were committed to baseball but really committed to things off the field and being a team off the field. Um, so it felt like it was really easy stepping on campus and just having twenty five guys that had your back um, and that you you know you could kind of lean on when, when things weren't going your way or you didn't know what to do. Or um, the culture was definitely the best part of D three baseball, and I maybe. A little bit more so than Q1 it, it really felt like that might have been the emphasis over just winning or losing or getting drafted right. um, so that was that was pretty big for me
3: yeah that's pretty similar to what the one of our previous guests said so yeah for sure that's I, I mean I love hearing that because I mean I can't help but just shake my head like yeah like you just had like a group of friends just immediately so
0: right. yeah
3: definitely definitely the best thing for, about d3 there. Um, so, what's one thing that minor leaguers go through every day that most sports fans don't know about? Um, food.
1: I, I, have you guys heard We've about heard this that.
0: one? We've heard that uh, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. bit. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so essentially, like the way it works is at home games, depending on the affiliate, like you sometimes have really good spreads. Like we had my second and third year when I was in when I was in low A and high A. We had a nutritionist that traveled with the team that did a great job of it. But a lot of times, it was just like. It was just, like, a pack of granola bars and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And we actually called, like, the name for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the minor leagues is the minor league steak. Just because, like, that's, (laughs) like, that's just, like, as good as it gets is having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So I think that's, like, the big thing that people don't realize is, like, we're also, like, we don't have a ton of good options when we get back to the hotel. Like, we're athletes that are playing 140 games a year, don't really get off days, are spending hours and hours on the bus. But, like, our options late night are, like, Wendy's, Burger King. So yeah, um, it's right. just like crazy. Right. The, the dealing with the food and trying to—it's kind of funny, but also it's like we're trying to be elite athletes, and we're just not right. really provided with the situation to do so in the minors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: we we heard that from one of our previous guests. He mentioned before his professional debut, so you know, really nervous, wants to have his best yep. you know performance he can. He had tortilla chips and gummy bears before his debut. <laughs> he said it, it did not yeah. go well. So yeah, we blamed it on his pregame snack, not because of you know his pitching abilities definitely because of the food exactly.
3: would you rather be an average person in the present or or a king of a large country
1: 2500 years ago wow king of a large country i think i, I mean I,
3: I think there's some pretty really cool <laughs> stuff out and about right now though like
0: yeah wi-fi
1: the internet yeah. technology <laughs> but i, I <laughs> Does it come with the understanding of what I'm missing out on? If not, I feel like a king. Like if I didn't right. existed, I'd just be chilling 2,500 years ago. As that's a king. fair. It'd be awesome. That's a good point.
0: That's a good point.
1: And that's like the peak quality of life being the king.
3: So
0: that exactly. I mean, doesn't get
3: like much better than that, right? Rules, maybe and people don't talk about this enough. 2,500 years ago, rules a little looser. I don't know. Make of that what you will. You can get away with a lot more. <laughs> I'm saying. True. Um. So what? What's the weirdest question you've gotten from either a scout or something strange you've seen on a questionnaire
1: during your draft process? Oh, there were some weird ones. Um, one, one team—I can't remember what it was—but one team sent me just like this. A lot of teams do these personality tests, but one was like a three-hour personality test. Hey, so it took for to another one Jeez. actually was the Pirates. The Pirates came to Amherst to, to watch me pitch one Friday, and. I was posted up. I told them that we, we could meet in, um, like, a local coffee shop. So I'm sitting in the coffee shop, and two, like, two girls on the volleyball team that I know are, like, sitting next to me doing work. And this pirate scout comes in with, like, a tape measure. And he starts measuring the length of my, my forearms and the circumference of my ankles and stuff. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm just like, What's, up, What's up, ladies? <laughs> standing in the middle of the parking, it, it was insane. They, they had no idea what was going on. and I just thought it was hilarious. I, yeah. heard- I, got, I got really wide ankles. <laughs> so all, it means you're going to make the show for sure.
0: I heard a similar question on the Pat McAfee show, and they said, one of the weirdest questions that they asked this prospect, like, it was a QB coach, the head coach, and like, I don't know, another evaluator, and the head coach asked, like, who in the room do you want to punch the most out of all of us? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible.
3: <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, um, so, from coming from the D3 life, uh, what was the longest bus ride you've had to go on during your baseball career? And along with that
1: what's your go-to gas station snack oh geez so so not including d3 we're just going minor leagues i mean those were the longest by far but you want a minor oh, league no. story either way yeah longest yeah longest one it could be anything oh so we um i was in the south atlantic league in low a, and we were in west virginia charleston west virginia and we bust all the way down to rome georgia and then all the way up sometimes to Lakewood, New Jersey. We never actually had to do that full one, which is like 23, 24 hours. Jeez. But we did the 10 to 12 hours a few times. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I actually I actually got walked off on. I was on the mound got walked off on in our last game against the Rome Braves. Um, so I had to sit in the, in the bus for 11 hours. And that was, Jeez. I mean, it was the longest in terms of That's just brutal. 11 hours, but also, like, getting walked off on right yeah just um, yeah. yeah. a yeah. for 11 hours yeah definitely and uh go-to bus snack our go-to gas station snack um i really love like salted peanuts that was my go-to big one Salted um,
3: yeah
1: um all right so last two here so
3: f- one marry one kill one uh, we will bleep that out uh coffee tea and hot chocolate
1: oh killing hot chocolate for sure oh. um Marrying coffee, f**ing tea.
0: That's fair. We'll bleep that out for sure.
1: Pretty okay. easy one. I, yeah, I was. Yeah, pretty easy one for
0: me.
3: Not a hot chocolate guy. Yeah, that was quick. That was fast. You killed hot chocolate.
1: Yeah. No. I um. I actually. So back when I was on my kick of of like junior senior in high school, I cut out all sugar. So I wasn't eating like any oh. any. I didn't have any sodas, any desserts, anything like that. So I just. I think I just lost the taste for it. And I love coffee. So definitely marrying coffee.
3: All right, so last one here. Um, We might might keep it, but we're still kind of testing it out. Um, So did you ever have to do, we had a guy come on once uh, who said for the Angels he had to, before, like during spring training, they had to do like a hydration test, and that was just peeing in a cup or on a stick or whatever, and it was like a daily thing. Did you ever have to do anything like that? Or, you know, if not, like what are some other like odd
1: structural things you had to do being in the – in the organization oh yeah we did we did the P tests um, it wasn't every day but we did it almost every day especially when we were down in spring training or in for instructs or instructs um, just because like Florida's super hot and a lot of guys don't really keep track of how much they're drinking in terms of water right. um, but they also weighed us every time we before we got on the field and every time we got off the field which is pretty crazy and yeah. then it was logged so you could I'm sure somewhere in the bowels of the pirates organization you could find every single time how much i weighed before and after every single time i'm mm-hmm. on the field yeah, that's insane so, yeah that was a weird thing uh, all right this is really the actual last one
3: so yeah. if you decide to unretire in the near future uh will you consider making that official announcement on our podcast uh we're huge pr guys so like we'll do a good job on it sure absolutely <laughs>
0: awesome. we'll, need, we'll need to do that perfect <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get back to some of the more mainstream questions, uh, but just touching up on your baseball background, and you talked about it a little bit, but just looking at your college numbers, obviously impressive numbers, 1.40 ERA your junior year, and then you got drafted, uh, but just digging a little deeper into some of those numbers, it looks like you didn't have as many appearances as some of the other guys we've had in the podcast, like seven appearances freshman year, five appearances sophomore year, and then only Six appearances your junior year. So, just talk to us a little bit about your college career overall, and help us understand why you weren't pitching um, more despite your impressive numbers.
1: Yeah, no, that's 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 a good point. It frustrated me a lot, but I think um, when I said about the intention of getting drafted as a junior, I kind of disregarded the fact that like if I gained all this weight, I gained all this velocity. I'd kind of you know I'd sacrifice in command, um, just kind of like learning my body. So as a freshman, I had, I mean, I think my first two starts in college, I went like three and a third innings as a freshman, and I like struck out eight and walked six or something like just, just like, I mean, it was either I got (laughs) on a walk. Yeah. There was no other, nothing else was really happening. And it got really frustrating to me because I felt like I'd put in all this work and, you know, it wasn't showing Mm -hmm. just because like I wasn't able to get on the mound. And I I don't blame my coaches or anything for it because like I was an absolute liability out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, my freshman year, that happened. My sophomore year, it seemed like I really turned a corner. I had a pretty good year in a, in a not-so-great uh, summer collegiate baseball league, but I, um, I f- kind of figured out my command, and then I went down with a really bad pec strain, so I missed pretty much half of that season, mm-hmm. the back end. Um, got back to health, had a really good summer in the Futures League. I set the franchise record for strikeouts and was throwing 95 at scout day, so there's a little bit of buzz, but ultimately like they do look at your stats just like you're saying I'm like what what is up with this guy right yeah. you know and it was it was, frust- it was frustrating for me because like I had put in all this work and I wasn't getting the results especially a d3 season is so short right. that like you get one kind of Nick or one small injury like you're missing this significant chunk of that that time so you know normally in the course of a 140 game season, what would be a 20 game stretch is now almost half your season. Right. So I kind of had bad timing, and my junior year it all clicked. I still, I, I went down with another lat injury right before the start of the season. I had two great preseason starts where I was like 93, 96. There were some scouts in our in our in our facility at Amherst, and everything was feeling great. Um, got back from the lat, and and it kind of the whole draft thing really took off after that. After I got back healthy, I started demonstrating I could. At least, kind of throw strikes. Um, yeah. So it, it really, really took off when I got back from my lat injury. So it was, it was just so frustrating. I, I know I've said it again that I just, especially like because I had guys that I was super close with, and I love the team, and I wanted the team to do so well. And just not really being able to, to be there and, and perform, especially when I felt like I had this gift. It was frustrating not being able to, to really do much for the team.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel
3: you. Yeah, and so. I mean, kind of something you've already touched on. You know, we're big research guys, so we actually, you know, we did kind of know that you weren't, you were throwing mid-80s, kind of going into Amherst, um, which is faster than a lot of people we faced anyway. But, you know, like you said early on, and, like, you know, by the end of the college, your college career, you were hit 95. So I guess what kind of stuff were you doing to, like, get to that level? I mean, was it kind of, I mean, you did kind of touch on it, breaking it down into a you know that small like little fraction each day so was it more of something that was like a a mental grind over like a physical grind because I mean it's tough like adding miles per hour isn't like the same I guess in a lot of aspects isn't the same as going and adding like 15 pounds to your bench like there's just like a lot more that goes into it so I guess like you said you did it obviously so just kind of walk us
1: through maybe more in detail what that looked like yeah absolutely I think um It really kind of started, as I said, like towards the tail end of my high school career. I I really dedicated myself, probably my sophomore and junior year of high school, maybe even my freshman year I started, of just doing what I thought was gonna help me baseball wise, which was what all coaches tell you, which is long, which is run long distances, uh, do like don't lift heavy. Just kinda like I was I was just sitting out and repping out push ups and running miles every single day, like and that was doing nothing for me. Like I weighed 160 pounds, I like could run a good mile, but I had these like out of shape kids on my high school team who were throwing way harder and getting D1 interest. Yeah. And I was like, Well, something needs to change. So I um I I reached out to a buddy of mine, his dad is a is a certified strength and conditioning uh coach, and he actually has racked in his basement with like a rubber floor, just like he has like more equipment than a typical D three like school yeah. would have. Um so I trained with them and I really focused on my weight just because I saw the correlation between that and throwing velocity. So it was really crude, but I legitimately just bought a bathroom scale, put it in my bathroom, and refused to go to bed until I was like 0.1 pounds at least heavier than I was the day before. So it's just like, I mean, it's it's insane thinking back on it. It's definitely not healthy, but, um, you know, I did put on that 40, 50 pounds in a span of a year and a half or so. So um, definitely would not recommend doing that to anyone just because, like, that was... Horrific in terms of just like having to deal with that with my body and my energy and stuff, but um, it ended up working out Probably would have done it a little more conservative had I had the chance to do it again But um, it did work and I think that was that was kind of a problem. I just I did do Too fast. I also retooled my, my delivery and I, I trained for a full summer Not a full summer I went a few times to this uh, Texas baseball ranch. You guys heard of that? I have not. I don't know. I have not uh, no. Ron Woolforth, he's this, I mean, he, he's trained like, he was Trevor Bower's coach growing oh, up. So he got all, he had all these kind of drills that was hyper, were hyper-personalized. And it just, like, I, instead of playing summer ball after my senior in high school, I just trained. Um, so I treated myself, was a professional athlete. And I just, even before I stepped on a D3 campus, and I just trained. Um, so I really kind of, that was my summer where it all really started to come in together in terms of, as you said, like, velocity. The command wasn't there, but the velocity started to get there. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah
2: yeah so just following up on that walk us through your draft process a little bit uh you've touched on it a little bit but we've had you know the velocity jump uh teams start taking more interest in you off after seeing that obviously uh but did you have any idea what teams were looking at you and you know anyone who's played baseball seriously we've all had the had that dream about that draft day phone call uh, but what did draft day look like for you personally and what was it like getting that phone
1: call from the pirates Draft day was crazy it was i mean it was simultane- like, simultaneously the worst day and the best day of my life because it was it was one of those things like I had so many question marks around me like you're probably realizing from the like the limited statistics and the bad command and like it was it was one of these things like I did just kind of pop up overnight so actually when I popped up probably in, in April or May um, teams really didn't waste time like they were I had about there were about nine to fifteen teams at every one of my starts it was crazy. Um, In terms of like getting on top of the paperwork and stuff that's normally doled out over the course of a year or two, um, was all just like thrust on me right when I'm about to hit finals, and I'm just like I'm trying to trying to figure out all this stuff and talk to all these teams. And um, the thing with me is like I had so many question marks around me that teams really just wanted to see me at the pre-draft. They'd see me one time and then invite me to pre-draft workout. So I had about. 10 to 12 pre-draft invites over the span of a week or two, but I didn't want to throw 10 times. Right. Um, so I had to figure out, like, which teams are most interested in me. So I um, I took the Cubs just because the Cubs seem really interested, and in their workout was at Wrigley Field. I live in Chicago. Not a Cubs fan, but still. I'm a White Sox fan, but still. I was like, that's pretty cool. I get a pitch on the actual mound at Wrigley Field. Right. Um, really cool. I did that, and then I picked the Pirates just because they had an Amherst An Amherst College baseball player was their GM, a former alum, Um, and he—they showed a lot of interest late. And I figured, you know, that was probably a good idea. I just kind of have that narrative a little bit. They might take a a connection, uh, a slightly more interested line, just because I I was from Amherst. And then I went to the Yankees. The Yankees were like the biggest. They were the team that was by far the most persistent at the start. Um, They were coming pretty much every start. And um, I talked actually, I would just talk for like a week on a week. Every week I'd talk on the phone with the Yankee scout um, just because he was a, I think he coached Harvard or something. He was, he was just a guy that liked the intellectual aspect of baseball. And I kind of brought that up that I was interested in stuff like spin rates and and all that kind of stuff. So he's interested in that. But um, when it came down to it, the teams that were most interested in draft day, like I thought the Yankees, Pirates, and Cubs. The Cubs actually called my agent on day two. So I know you guys know how the MLB draft works, but, like, day two is normally later rounds are reserved for college guys that aren't going to sign for a lot. Um, So when we got that call, we knew that, like, uh, they weren't actually going to draft me um, that day, but they said, you know, we're going to pick you early day three. So I was excited about that. I already had a call going to the last day. Um, Cubs, you know, uh, didn't pick me in, like, the first eight to ten rounds on day three, so it's, like, the 20th round. Scouts and my agent have been telling me, you know, I'm going to go 15 to seventeen. Um, so I started freaking out at around, round 20. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. Like most of the scouts were actually calling my agent instead of me. So I'm getting like a string of texts from my agent. That's like the angels are like, are offering this amount of money. Like Cubs are offering this amount, like trying to figure out exactly what deals to take and what not to take. And it was super stressful because there were at one point there was like six or seven teams that we had to deal with no one was pulling the trigger. So I'm sitting there watching the MLB draft tracker go by like every 30 or 40 seconds spewing <laughs> out another name. And like, it was so bad because every single team that I had talked to was like spaced four or five picks away. So I couldn't leave, like I couldn't <sighs> leave the draft tracker. It wasn't like I could be like, oh, they're all picking at the other the round. I can go and like get something to eat. Like I was just sitting in front of the computer for like hours. Um, around like the 30 second round, I I call my agent. I'm like this isn't like this isn't happening just because like they're not going to give me the money I need to leave school now because um, You know juniors get paid more in the draft because they've got a year of eligibility So like it's not going to happen. He's like, you know, what? let's just hold out for the Cubs um, a few teams you rattled off all the teams that were out and he's like the Cubs Pretty much the only one left and so I'm, I'm sticking to the Cubs. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be a Chicago Cub 35th round comes around and I'm just like an absolute emotional mess I'm I'm calling my roommates at college just like guys I'm coming back like it's not happening I'm sending like defeated texts to everyone just like because I had so many friends I felt so embarrassed I had so many friends and family like watching the tracker just because like it was something like I had 10 to 15 scouts in the stands like it was supposed to happen and I pitched well during those times so I was just super embarrassed and sad I was like okay well Obviously, going to Amherst Senior is not bad, but still, I'd made up my mind that I was I was going to turn professional. Right. Um, pirates called in the thirty fifth round, and I remember just picking up that phone call and being like, "Like, okay, here it is. Like, actually, it's going to happen. It's going to happen." And the scout goes on the phone, and he just says he didn't negotiate with my agent, which is normally what they do. He picks up the phone, and he says, "How low are you willing to go?" And so I'm like, a, I'm in terms of signing bucks. So I'm just an absolute mess. Like, can't have my head straight. At that point, I'm like, just give me, just give me like a Gatorade and a plane ticket and I'm good. Right. But I can't say that because like uh, you could lose tens of thousands of dollars yeah. and scholarship money. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how, what number I should say and no idea how to negotiate. Yeah. And so I'm just, I, I spit out my number that, you know, our agent had kind of said, this is the lowest we're going to go. Sped out that number, and then my agent actually, after the Pirates drafted me, which was unbelievable, I raced up to the to the to the living room, and my mom and my sister are actually still watching the Tracker, so we got to see it. We got to see it pop up, and it was just it was unbelievable. My phone just like exploded with texts in the next in the next ten minutes. Really cool, just because you get to see all the people that like actually were invested in you and really do care about how you're doing, and it was mm-hmm. super cool that people other people were genuinely excited that I got drafted. So. It was a stressful day. I honestly didn't handle it super well in terms of just, like, being short with my mom and my sister who were there on the day of the draft. And thank, thankfully they were, they were my rocks through it. But I just, thankfully I got through it. That was pretty much it. Shout out to mom and sister, friends of the show. Definitely.
0: And we know you recently retired, and we'll get into that more soon. But just regarding your career in the minors, it looks like you were fairly successful. You put up good numbers. ERA got better each year, and it seemed like you were moving up a level every season as well as ending up in high A last year. But just for your minor league career overall, uh, first of all, was there ever any kind of like, welcome to the league-like moment that stood out to you where you first, when you first got there? And I know this is kind of broad, but looking back on it, what do you think were some of your best moments as a professional?
1: Oh, good question. I think um, I've got two answers to um, welcome to the league moment. I think my first one was walking. I walked. I was playing for this this team, um, the Bristol Pirates. In it's called advanced rookie, but that's really deceptive. It's essentially just like the guys that were not good enough to play in short season out of college and like some high school kids from the year before. But I played in Bristol, Tennessee, and my pitching coach was Joel Hanrahan, who. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys know, but he was the all-star closer for the Pirates right. in like 2010-ish. I, I don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, but I recognized the name, and I showed up, and he's just sitting there. And it was one of those things, like, I knew I knew who he was, but I didn't know his name. And I was like, this is some famous baseball player, and he's my coach. I just don't know who he is. Yeah. So, like, so I, was kind of, um, I was kind of nervous that it was actually... I had really strange routines in terms of warming up, and I was actually, I had this thing called a body blade. Do you guys know what a body blade is? Yeah. So I carried the body blade around with me all the time. So, like, my D3 teammates thought I was a lunatic, and my, like, I walked up, showed up to the first day of pro ball with, like, my bag all ready to go and holding my, like, enormous, phallic-looking piece of exercise. (laughs) (laughs) on. Like, Hanny, Joel Handerhan, just, like, doesn't say, I recognize him, don't know who he is, but, like, recognize him. And he just, like, grabs the thing and just starts, like, crushing it in the middle of the outfield. Um, <laughs> and I just was, Where am I? Who is this guy? This is just so strange. And I, I quickly realized that I was about to be the, you know, the weird kid with the shoulder, too. But um, <laughs> it's a role I embrace. And I guess I'm on the mound, I... um I was facing the Yankees and Pulaski uh, that first year, and there was this guy rehabbing, Kyle Higashioka, some um, like backup big league catcher. But I didn't know he was there on a rehab assignment. I just thought he was your regular like brist like Appalachian League guy. Yeah. So I throw like an inside fastball to him, like on the black. I was like, okay, let's just do it again. It's like ninety one or ninety two. I throw the next one like right where I want it, and this guy takes it like. 450 feet over the scoreboard over the clubhouse <laughs> first time i've ever seriously been like that was exactly what i wanted to do i could not have like called up a better pitch yeah but the got just like straight up destroyed me Didn't it was work. the first <laughs> time where i wasn't actually like just battling myself as like oh okay these guys can like really hit right um that was a big weight moment yeah
3: All right, so last question uh, before we get into some fantasy BS. Uh, Like Ben said, you've recently, you know, retired from the game. Uh, I know this is a tough question, and we really don't know how recently you made that choice, but what all went into that decision, and has it been something you've been contemplating for a while? Um, And, you know, do you have really, like, a plan for the next step uh, after baseball?
1: Yeah, good question. I know, yeah, it's it's probably a tough one to ask just because you don't really know where it's going, but... (laughs) It, um, it all kind of started, like, I, the culture of major or minor league baseball is really, really different from college baseball, and even more so than Division III. Um, teams are not cohesive units. It really just kind of breaks up into these kind of, like, pockets of people that you're close with, and, and you kind of get through it, and it's, it's one of those things, like, it's not, it's not a super enjoyable thing to be doing. And I, I actually, you know, had a decent time my first few years, but I tore my UCL when I was in high A with the Bradenton Marauders, and I was having a great season. Like, I was, I was acting as a closer. I think I was, like, through nine innings, I'd let up, like, four or six base runners, no runs, and just, like, kind of shoving. And tore my UCL, got a PRP injection, came back, for, like, spent the entire summer rehab, and, you know, when I started throwing again, still hurt. Um, I went back and I saw Dr. James Andrews and he essentially just said like, you know what, you don't need Tommy John. It's just like the same thing, it's just inflamed, like we need to take some rest. Because like my, my UCL wasn't like torn, torn, it was more kind of stretched out and like fraying. Um, cause it's it, like a lot of people hear about Tommy John and they think that it's just like your ligament just gets completely shredded or just completely gone. But a lot of times it's these like really gray area. You're kind of going on symptoms. You're kind of going on what's on the MRI, but you, you try different treatment options. It's, it's, there's so much grayness to it. And that really weighed on me in terms of not having a definitive plan of treatment. Like a lot of times just case, cause it was like, okay, I go and I throw it hurts. Let's wait another four weeks. Um, that really frustrated me just cause I wanted a plan. I went back to school actually and I graduated this December, but when I was back at school I started throwing again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't really thanks. Didn't really feel right. It was it was still that just like weird pulling sensation. I was like 90-93 in pens, but when I to try to keep it down, um, but whenever I try to dial it up, it just didn't really take. I'd also developed a, a sport hernia from lifting, so I wasn't really able to lift a ton. Jeez. So it's one of these things like I had these two two injuries that really kind of sapped sap my enthusiasm from it just because they were so really like as i said like gray in terms of treatment like you just kind of like treat the symptoms and it really really weighs on an athlete when you have things that aren't cut and dry and require you to listen to your body and always be thinking about it and it really gave me the chance to think you know i've always had a really big passion for school i i, I went to amherst because it was one it was probably the best academic school i could go to um and i'd spent a ton of time there really focusing on, on what I can do to prepare myself academically for life after baseball. And I really fell in love with psychology. It was one of my majors, English and psychology. And I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school for psych. So my plan was, after retiring, which I made the decision about a week before I was supposed to report to spring training, even though in my mind I probably made the decision a month before, I just didn't want to be rash with something I'd put in years and years and years into. Um yeah, yeah, because like, you can't, you close that door, it doesn't really open again, yeah. um, ever. So I was like, you know what, my, my, my heart wasn't really into it probably in early February. I'm like, you know what, last possible day, I'm going to call them if that's the case. If not, I'm going down. But yeah, I, I made the decision of, you know, work at a lab for a few years, and I started throwing in applications, then I my retirement, and then the COVID thing happened, and the whole world got turned upside down. So, you know, right. the places where I was looking for labs were pretty much universities and hospitals, which both right now absolutely yeah, so no nos. So no yeah, yeah, not a good place to look. So right now I'm figuring out exactly what I want to do. I think that, you know, I'm probably leaning towards behavioral neuroscience or clinical site um, in terms of graduate programs. But nice. those are things that I always felt like a little bit of an odd man out in the minor league clubhouse. Like a lot of my other teammates are just you know, playing a lot of video games and doing stuff to just kind of calm down. And for me, it was like, okay, I want to read, I want to learn. Like I was yeah. always reading. I was reading on the bus. So I did feel just like markedly different in terms of like what I wanted out of life than a lot of my other teammates. Not to say that you know one's better than others. I wish that yeah. I could just kind of be all in on, on the baseball thing, but it had kind of proven to me that it wasn't exactly ought to ought to been up to be because I, I really think the peak in terms of was playing division three baseball. That was really my favorite, like, uh, it was shocking to me that I was playing in front of, like, 6,000 fans in Charleston, South Carolina, and I didn't care about the outcome of the game when I was, like, living and dying by each pitch of Amherst versus Wesleyan. (laughs) Like, it was, like, it was crazy. Right. So, I was just, like, and I'd seen enough of big league guys in terms of, to realize that those aren't problems that go away. It's always about the individual. And, you know, if I'd stayed healthy, I I definitely would have continued doing it, and, 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 and done it but at some point you know it's weird to make a decision about baseball because everyone thinks that it's just so like cut and dry baseball players just play baseball right. um, they don't do anything else but it was just like that was an option that I had and it was something that you know in the foreseeable future I was going to be either rehabbing or getting TJ or getting herniacery or do, there's, like all these different things that I was gonna have to combat mm, and, uh, especially when the long-term vision is in question you know, I really I really thought that, you know, it was time to time to figure out what I could be doing to further a lot of other passions that I have. So, um, it was not an easy decision certainly, but it was one that, you know, I haven't regretted yet.
3: sure, and I think there's something to be said about I think there's something respectable about like that, kinda of knowing when when to walk away and not even just for no reason, you know, like you said, there's other you got other you got other shit to do, man. So I think that's kinda of big to to be able to step away and kinda of keep grinding after those things. Um, so I think we're ready for Fantasy BS. Um, for all you first-time listeners out there, our last segment of the podcast, we like doing a fantasy draft of a random topic with our guests. Um, today's Fantasy BS topic actually comes straight from our guest, Drew Fisher. Uh, usually the process is we'll brainstorm some topics, give our guests several several options, but Drew came up with this one right away. So we're excited to go for it. This is the first guest-selected one, and we got to give you some props, uh, like I said, Stepped up right away, ready to go. So, shout out to you. But, anyways, we'll be doing three picks each. Uh, As our guest, Drew, you'll go first. I will go second. Our recurring guest, um, and obviously my friend, coach Jacob the Bald Schubert, uh, will go third. And then finally, my friend, my fellow co host, Ben Gavlik, last pick. You do have back to back because it's a snake draft. So, just letting you know. Uh, But, all right, Drew, why don't you start us
1: off? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a huge enthusiasm for, uh, for for fastball names. Just anyone that that loved velocity. But my first pick, I had a kid that it's kind of contrary, or kind of um, not super popular in terms of like everyone that's heard it. But saying a fastball's firm, that's like oh. that's that's my favorite. And this, okay. this one kid, this one kid that I had on my team um, in low A and high A, he when a guy would come in throwing firm. He would say, This guy has like, a doctor from Firmington University. Or, like, he has, like, a doctor's from Firmington University. Yeah. So he always, like, that was his thing, Firm. And I just get stuck and I think it's hilarious. I that's like awesome.
0: That. Yeah. That's, I haven't heard that one before. So, yeah, yeah. That's no. a good one.
1: Okay. Oh, shoot. I already forgot the
3: order. I got up next. <laughs> yeah, you're up. You're, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that was a good one, man. I don't want to get second anymore. Uh, yeah. So I guess I got. I had a tough time with this. I was just trying to think. I mean, we were kind of brainstorming beforehand. I'm just thinking of, like, things that are also fast. Firm's a good one. That's like a, you know, you got your typical, like, adjectives. Firm's one I hadn't heard. But just along the vein of things that are fast, I'm going to go diesel, but for nice. Vin Diesel. Nice. Nice, nice. Okay. I like Okay. First, uh, uh, I was worried about this one, man. I'm not going to lie. This was a tough one for me. <laughs> Alright, All right, so it comes to me, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, she'd be at uh, the okay. next pick here.
3: Yeah. Alright, so uh, being a
2: Cleveland fan like I am, uh, straight out of the Major League movies, uh, The Terminator. Uh, copyright. Yeah. Copyright
0: yeah. for your first pick. That's
2: <laughs> great. That's a great one. Has to be.
0: <laughs> Alright, so I got back-to-back picks here. Snake draft people forget. I'm going to go a, a little bit more uh, conventional than some of these last couple picks. I'm going to go with Heat and Cheddar. I've heard uh. like, cheese before, but I love cheddar, getting more specific into the cheese. That's uh, so, one of my favorites. So I, yeah.
3: I thought the way things were going, I was like, cheddar might just slide along the back burner here. <laughs> like, we've got some
1: pretty creative names so far. Like, I'm going to be able to just steal cheddar at the end. Yeah. What about, uh, what about Ched? Is that different? Like, throwing Ched versus Cheddar, I feel like, Ooh. might be yeah. Too different.
0: Yeah, I think that's different. Yeah, that's definitely still up that's for terrific.
1: grabs.
0: I agree. Yeah. All right, uh, Shub, you got a pick here. <laughs>
2: All right, so Ben took my pick with Cheddar.
0: Hate so to see it. Now I'm
2: getting into my ridiculous ones. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: so I'm going to go with Johnny Manziel's NFL career. It's pretty fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
3: That's a pretty good one. Um, so, okay. Again, I guess so along the things, uh, I don't know how I'm going to word it. I'll save it for my third one. Uh, for my second pick, I'm going to go for the uh, Forrest Gump.
1: Okay, nice. 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 I'm going to figure out what get. This last one. Is it my turn now? Yeah. yeah so you, got you got back to
0: back. Yeah, back to back. Oh,
1: back to back. Um, well, my... F- I think, yeah, one of my favorites is um, throwing bowling balls for someone who throws a sinker. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he's out there throwing bowling balls. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> That's oh, good. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Like, if
1: you don't- you don't want your catch par- catch partner to be throwing bowling balls. It's just like a recipe, like you're going to get smoked in the wrist, and just it's a, little, a lot of damage. But if you're out there and you're throwing bowling balls, it's dangerous, and it's awesome. So that one that one fires me up. That's a good one. Um, cool. I guess another one that we haven't touched on, like gas or gasolina. Yeah. I love those two. Yeah. I mean, gasolina gives it a little more flair, but um, gas is definitely just like this guy is throwing gas.
0: So... Um... We're putting up like a Twitter graphic, or it'll be on Instagram as well. But basically, how the how we finish off the draft is, we'll put up a graphic and we'll have like people vote on it. Like whoever they think wins. Yeah. Do you want to put gas or you want to put gasoline or gas and like parentheses gasoline at the bottom?
1: Let's put just I'll just put gas. Okay, I think gas is pretty. Yeah, All like right, we
0: can we can do that. I just want to clarify that so you know you don't <laughs> see this graphic and you're upset with what I put on the graphic. <laughs> All right, Gil, you got to pick here.
3: Um. Schubert sex game, <laughs> fastest thing this side of the Mississippi.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, Shub, you got another pick here.
3: Yeah, I actually
2: didn't know if Gil was gonna go with that or not. I was kind of. I shocked. wasn't either until just that that moment right there had <laughs> decided. Yeah, we made we had eye contact through Skype, so <laughs> we
3: did. We definitely did. I was like, uh oh, I'm doing it. All
2: right, so uh, I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson, also. Fast. <laughs> Okay. You could go on, like if
3: you're just gonna go like Usain bowl, I think didn't, didn't really that was know. next.
0: Like, oh, that was <laughs> next. All right, so you guys got really weird with this one. I <laughs> wasn't uh, <laughs>
1: nope, expecting this. I'm
0: going more conventional as well. I'm going smoke for my last pick. Well, Did not oh, think yeah. it was oh, gonna be pick. available for the third round, but here we are. <laughs> All right. Uh, any uh, honorable mentions you guys guess, got that? I guess you didn't that's mentioned?
3: what happens when I try to think of this like an hour beforehand. <laughs> true I'm I'm, I'm happy my picks you guys took like the you guys took the good conventional ones cheddar is obviously a good one shove I was trying to figure out how to work shove in there but like you don't call it fastball a shove but that's like a good name like someone shoving I love that Um, fill it up love that just we're going to general sayings
0: all right. I'll, I'll name a couple of the ones I had: uh, stinky cheese, uh, st- <laughs> oh, st- Stay with you that cheese pick thing. That. Yeah, I, I was thinking, it was either ch- it was either cheddar or stinky cheese. I couldn't pick two cheeses for my tribe. I got, you. I got you. <laughs> Oh, and when cheddar's
3: on the table, you gotta you
0: gotta
3: take that. Yeah, uh,
0: a couple other ones: steam, uh, darts, throwing darts out there. Uh, I think that was a good one. Uh, and then my last one is uh, BBs. So, yeah, yeah, I was
2: nowhere close to on the Yeah, road. I, I'm kind of embarrassed, <laughs> honestly.
0: <laughs> That's all right. Uh, uh, you
1: couldn't fool away though. Okay. Those are not good. News. How <laughs> did I not think of these? I don't know,
3: really dude. I don't know. It was I, like, I think my brain, like... It was so easy, I, like, short-circuited. I was like, I don't know anything. I don't know any answers to this.
0: I guess we've been retired for a while, so I guess we're rusty. We're rusty with our baseball terminology being in the dugout. That's true. Yeah. All right. You guys got any other honorable mentions?
3: No, man. That's it for me.
0: Okay. Cool. So I think uh, that's all we have for Fancy BS. Uh, Drew, last thing we got before we let you go, but just to close things out with our Division III's finest theme, unfortunately, at the D3 level, things usually don't come as easy. Travel's a little tougher. Uniforms usually aren't as nice. No locker room, you name it. We probably don't have it. But personally for you, when we mentioned best D3 stories or even things in the minor leagues, does anything come to mind specifically? Anything you know, funny or crazy that happened to you during your career?
1: Um, I think... My, my go-to story when people ask about minor league baseball is um, I had this teammate, Latino teammate, that we convinced in the bullpen that if he peed on his own arm, he would throw harder. So <laughs> <laughs> he urinated on himself. And the weirdest part of the story was he started throwing harder. He literally started throwing. Like he was up like two or three miles an hour for the next week.
0: Placebo effect.
1: Oh, 100%. So that was, like, my go-to. He just, like, yeah, that was, that was hilarious. That's um, incredible. D3, I guess, I when I had no idea where the ball was going, we were playing at Williams my freshman year, and I came in in relief, and I hit, like, the first guy in the head and then walked the next guy on, like, four pitches. And I just took one of our, like, one of our backup catchers, and I went to, like, the, the pitcher's mound right after getting out of the game in the in the bullpen and like it's elevated so like everyone can see the bullpen during the game and I just threw like two or three hundred pitches in just like a fit of rage and this the best part is like this is the d3 double header so like there's not a there's not a ton of turnaround and it was the first game of the double header so like I stopped to let the other two d3 starters warm up for the next game and then continued on <laughs> the
0: of- that's awesome And it was,
1: it was just like Our my catcher, he was so mad at me, and he was like, he he was a freshman too, so like he didn't really know if he was like allowed to like say like, "Dude, you need to stop." Right, Um, but it was just like, like cutting balls, and like I probably broke his thumb. Like it was just like. It was it was chaos, but that was like the most D three. Me just like throwing during the game in the bullpen, and then stopping to let other guys come warm up, and then going back. So that was that was a little ridiculous, but that's my most D three baseball story. Sorry. Yeah,
0: I, I was a catcher as well, so I, I can only imagine if I was your bullpen catcher, I would not have been very happy with that situation.
1: <laughs> you guys don't get enough love, also. So yeah. shout out all the bullpen catchers out there. Yeah,
0: huge shout out. But at least you saved your frustration for after the game instead of like pulling a Trevor Bauer and throwing a baseball at the scoreboard i don't know if you guys have seen that clip from oh, yeah. last year
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure if i knew that that was on the table that that i probably would have done that so i was that bad right. <laughs> I, yeah i did wait until i got to the bull. <laughs> yeah definitely
0: Drew. well thanks again for coming on the podcast we really appreciate your time and your stories and you know this was awesome and we're wishing you the best yeah. luck moving forward whatever wherever life takes you
1: absolutely thanks for having me guys
0: Yeah, it's Kay Weezy and we back. The rise to the throne, yeah,
3: Ben Franklin's, Ben Franklin's. I got so much money, it's like I own a money tree. All these people, phonies, just want to be like me. Your baddest girl be all on my D. The stuff you pay for, from me, it's free. Because I got Ben Franklin's, I got Ben Franklin's. No need for hatin', I'm not a doctor, I ain't got patients. All I got is
0: papers and a lot of haters. Shout out to my home dog, they all got prayers.